You can never get tired of the four four times signature. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised that going on four. It's, it's good. So, you must right. like jazz. I, well, what I've been doing is I've been writing a song lately, mm-hmm. which happens to be in three four. And the inspiration for the song is what would be like the absolute worst love song ever written in like all of history. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I thought, you know, it would be like some like Duke or Earl's son who like just got wed and he's really excited to get his <laughs> wet. <laughs> oh God. You know, it's like, you know, he's thinking about his true love, but it's obviously like he doesn't give half a shit about her. He's just like, hey, gotta get wet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> is it a waltz it's a waltz I'm, I'm so happy about that <laughs> maybe I'll play that for the talent show at Coach Smith please please do it please uh, y'all have a talent show yeah I don't know how I feel about it it's like I don't know it's really cool people are insanely talented but I think it should. I think it should be more of like, kind of like a joke, you know. Like I think people should, mm. people should do stuff and have fun doing it. But I think there's actually a little bit of a competitive edge to it, which is weird. But, right. um, but people are insanely talented. There are some incredible musicians, a couple of amazing poets. Like it's really cool. Mm, yeah, I bet it's you know it's, it's all all these people coming from like an artistic background and they have their talents that they've you know devoted their life to and now mm-hmm. it's like, well you're abandoning that now you know you're putting it aside then it's like well you you, you got to value it somehow you got to like like this this is still something I can do you know for sure and I feel like you probably resonate with this both of you when you take a break for a little bit especially as composers writers i imagine but like when you step away from it for a second and you come back there tends to be a build-up of expression that kind of makes starting up again a lot easier i mean and Mm. and i can only imagine if you come from a background of constantly churning out stuff it's a little different for me i kind of have to can i swear yeah, fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have to fucking wait around until somebody hires me to do that thing sometimes. Right, right. There's stuff that I can create and readings I can do and stuff like that. But to sustain myself, I kind of have to wait around. So um, mm. it's a little bit, it's a, it's a different skill set, I feel like, being an actor. But everyone in the, in the program is insanely talented. Like, everyone. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you to have you, you to share your <laughs> your waltz, your sexually uh, repressed waltz. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have yet to experience a talent show. You're a mid. Uh, you're a mid, right? Yeah. So you you've already experienced one. Um, that is correct. So so by by the way, so uh, Sam and I are both in the CodeSmith community, the part time remote immersive, mm-hmm. learning to be software engineers through uh, an, an intensive boot camp mm-hmm. and um, Sam is a few months ahead of me on this journey mm-hmm. and Sam do you want to uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself oh yeah I mean how much time do they have uh, <laughs> I, I I am a, a trained actor whatever that means um, I went to school for it for seven years undergrad and graduate school and I have some professional credits under my belt and enjoy doing it and still do uh, go out on auditions when I can, book work and shoot it when I can. 
But when the pandemic kind of happened, you know, everything stopped, especially in my industry. So mm. I kind of went, okay, not, I'm not abandoning anything. Things are going to be different, hopefully, moving forward. People will be hopefully more safe and there'll be a more conscious uh, observance of that safety. But, but I want to find something else. I want to find something else that I can use as a form of expression and kind of something that I've always wanted to do and kind of pursue that and see what happens. Enter coding. Um, I build stuff. I've built cars with family members. I've built computers. I've fixed things that were broken that I didn't think I could fix. And then I learned how to do it and I do it. And I like tinkering. I like problem solving. So coding seemed like the next thing. Mm. Uh, I'm a terrible self learner. So I was like, I got to find somebody to teach me this stuff because I'm really getting overwhelmed. I get stuck in research land. Like, what should I learn next? And then six months later, I'm like, wow, I haven't, I haven't learned anything, but I know all the things that I could learn. <laughs> yeah. So enter Codesmith, and that brings me to now. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think even for people who, who would consider themselves self-learners, I think coding in particular can just be super overwhelming with where to start and what to learn and, and how, to, how, to, yeah, how to actually retain any of the knowledge that you're getting. And like mm. what the next step is, right? I can go to any code academy, code academy, free code camp and learn how to console log something or learn like what a button element is in HTML. Uh-huh. But like what the hell do I do with that? Like what, yeah. what next? How does that work in the context of what I'm building and, and mm. how do I add functionality to that button? And there was just so much that was, I was getting overwhelmed really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And mm. I kind of stepped back and said, I got to find somewhere that will help me figure this out because I can't do it on my own. Mm. Yeah. It's such a, such a vast landscape, mm. you know, just all of the technologies that have built upon each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, I mean, it, it makes me think of like a forest and, you know, you have all the, all the plants that are like, and animals and fungi, that are all like symbiotic with each other and like growing off of each other. I, I think it's, it's, it's like that. It's a huge yeah. ecosystem yeah. of things that people have made. And it's just impossible. It's impossible to learn even a tiny chunk of that. You know, there, there's still always going to be more than, than you can ever know. Yeah. And it can be so intimidating to know which of those uh, pieces of information are relevant to what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're just trying to, you know, Google your way out of it, inevitably you Google something and then the answer that may be able to help you is mentioning like three or four other things that you've never heard of. And so you have to go look those up. And those examples also have three or four things you've never heard of. And so you have to either, you know, figure out if you don't need to know what the other things are and you can just get by or, you know, how to change what you change it. So it fits what you need. And it's just, yeah. So it's, that's, that's where the overwhelming part comes for me is just, just, yeah. Um, Googling things and then, and then it's, it's never exactly what you, well, N- never but a lot of the times it's not exactly what you need right you you have to you have to have some base knowledge to be able to understand stuff yeah trevor what you just said really resonates like this this never ending slew of what feels like nesting dolls like you mm-hmm. you, you you google for this answer and it turns up there are three things that i didn't know that i need to know in order to implement the thing that i'm looking for mm-hmm. and it can get really overwhelming really quickly yeah. Yeah. And this is, this has actually happened to me twice. I'm doing this, this summer research internship, or it's not exactly an internship. I'm, I'm an undergrad research assistant at Texas state this summer. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple of experiences where I Google what I think I need to Google. And the first thing that comes up with, you know, like five or six different stack overflow threads or, or GitHub is not exactly the same thing I'm trying to do, but Googling, you know, different little variations of, of, what I'm trying to find, I, I keep getting these same things and it's, and it's always, well, is this what I need to do? This doesn't seem exactly right, but who am I to know? And, and then eventually, yeah, you have to have that again, you have to have that background knowledge to realize, oh no, I'm trying to do this other, I need to do this other thing. And, and you just, you, you can go down like, you know, miles on the wrong path of the maze and you don't realize it. And then, so. <laughs> yeah. I guess though, part of that is that all of the time, even if you're going down the wrong pathway, you're learning and maybe you're not taking it out in all of it, but you're just getting a little taste and maybe eventually some of that stuff will, 
work around and help put things you encounter in the future into perspective. For sure. I mean, I think that's a really sage way of looking at it, Eric. I just, I, I am not an optimist. (laughs) 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 So it certainly doesn't feel like that when that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think you're right. I think in practice, inevitably, that's what happens. When you yeah. come against the next problem and it's something that you read about a while ago when you were researching something else, then you know where to find that resource or it comes mm. to mind more quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is. People used this metaphor a lot when I first started or simile, I guess. But it really is like learning another language. It really mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally learning another language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You have your grammar and syntax and yeah. shit ton of grammar to think about. Yeah. And you hear that word once and you're like, I've heard that word before when I was talking to this person or looking at this tool, this technology, and that re- that it rings a bell. I think I know what I'm doing. So let me just use it and see what happens. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's a family of related languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more than like a language. It's just a single language, right? Mm. Yeah. 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 Sure. And Oh man, they have to talk to each other or else everything breaks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You all sent me that video about Copilot. Oh yeah. yeah. Have have you heard about GitHub before? GitHub Copilot before. I hadn't. Like I heard whispers about it, right? People, it it Mm. just like released recently. I feel like like a couple of weeks ago. Last Mm -hmm. few weeks. yeah. Yeah. And I've heard some people talking about it. So I had no context and I watched that video and I don't know, man. Do you, do either of you have thoughts? It's so weird. It's, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, the the problems in that video didn't seem super crazy. Like it it was looking at them. I was like, okay, yeah, I I could see how to kind of start, you know, probably do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you did say, 80% 80% of the time it pretty much gets it right. 10% it's a little off and 10% it's just totally off in the off off track. I think I think people's yeah, I think some of people's concerns come from that it it leads you to use code that you don't totally understand and that yeah. the AI isn't isn't good yet at explaining mm-hmm. what it's doing. But mm. uh, I do I mean I do think that it, it is kind of the future of programming in in one way or another. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird because I feel like this is always the conversation, right? Some kind of technology advances to the point where it seems like it's optimized for human uh, uh, consumption, human execution. And then the next step is automating it. The mm-hmm. next step mm-hmm. for driving was automating a car so that you don't have to drive anymore. You could just sit in it. And this constant need to automate processes, Mm. I think is what's giving me hope because there will always be the next thing. Like, yes, a computer could automate code. Uh, Are we at a point where we can automate testing for it? Are we at a point where we can automate using of it? Like, uh, it seems like the goalpost is always being moved. Mm. And it's weird that it's, feels like it's being moved while I'm in the space learning about the goalpost that's being moved. Yeah. So that's very strange, mm. but I don't know. Just knowing how erratic and temperamental and opinionated code can be. I don't, I don't, I don't see it absorbing the workspace in full. It could definitely take over a huge amount of the work that's going on. But like game development, like will mm-hmm. will, will a robot ever be able to program a game that humans enjoy? I don't know. Yeah, that's the question, right? And like maybe maybe it'll take some time. Maybe it'll take like human AI collaboration. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things though is, you know, We've always heard things like, oh, well, AI will never beat a human at chess. Yeah, oh, well, okay, well, they'll never beat a, beat a human at Go. Oh, well, well, okay, uh, well, uh, they'll, never beat a, uh, they'll never write, like, a compelling piece of poetry. But we, we've done an episode already where we shared some AI poetry from uh, GPT-3, mm-hmm. and 
there's a few of them that just like looking off a list of them right off the bat that were legitimately inspiring for me and mm-hmm. like better than anything I could have written. <laughs> mm. They seem to have like thematic content, mm. uh, a meaning built into the, in, and it's written by, by a computer. So it's like, mm. yeah, you're right. It's like the, the, the goalposts are moving and maybe the way we interact with it changes. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, I agree that it feels very, honestly, it, it is pretty intimidating to be coming into a field where the skills that I'm spending hours and hours to learn right now may in five years be completely different from the skills needed to, uh, to work in the field. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the skills that software developers will be adding to the whole process are going to become higher and higher level. And, and yeah, I, I don't know where that's going to lead eventually. But, but yeah, you're right. The, the skills we need to, to get jobs will will obviously be changing a lot in the next five, 10 years. Yeah. And I'm just going to take advantage of being on a call with a couple of artists to talk about this, because I feel like I'm thinking about something too, kind of like what you're saying, Trevor, not only are the skills going to change, but I mean, I don't know how to equate it to code, but if we use the example of poetry, the form will need to change. Right. If we if we build a computer that crafts perfect sonnets, you know, brilliant rhyme scheme, thematic elements, it's always brilliant. Their vocabulary is more extensive than any humans ever could be. Then we're going to need to create a new form because that computer will just create every sonnet or we can go to that computer anytime. Mm. So me Mm. as a human poet, I need to now create a new form of poetry or a new means of expression. And. Mm to some extent that's really exciting. Like that's, I mean, I I don't know what that looks like in technology or in coding because it's hard to fathom what the evolution of a sonnet is until we see it or hear it or feel it or know. Mm. But uh, it's easy to get, and I get this way, it's easy to get reactionary to advances like this. Mm. But I think what you're saying, Trevor, holds a lot of weight. Like it could lead to some really interesting shifts in the medium, in the profession, in the field, in the world. And it could free up our brains to start thinking about things very differently. Yeah, I think I think it's a matter of when, not not if. Yeah. You have to get it, get it, give it enough time. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, uh, this puts me in mind of a conversation that I overheard, which might have involved you, Trevor, uh, with our professor, Hunter Ewan, in the music school. We were sitting around in the little composer's crunch lab, and uh, Hunter was talking about the way he, he was thinking about, you know, it, it, along the similar veins, development of AI producing every variation of art and, you know, doing mm-hmm. a better job than, than us. And that the human's role in that artistic expression changes to, to, to be more of asking the AI to produce particular certain things. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, the act of expression, the act of creation is more about sharing what your perspective of the world is based on what. Uh, what the computer comes up with, you know, like what you're asking it to make explicitly. So to paraphrase what you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, is the expression or the artwork, the art form, instead of becoming, terrible word to use, but the product or the end result, Mm. it becomes the process. It becomes the process of designing the input that goes into whatever function being AI converts it into the output. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, more or less. Although I, I might even go a step further and say that it stops being about the craft and just being about uh, your sh- subjective per- perspective, your experience of the world. You know, what is mm. it like to experience the world from 
the point of existence that you are and no one yeah. can have a direct replica of that and so sharing that yeah. has some implicit value yeah. yeah and i think that's one of the reasons i think there will always be mm. a premium on human created art because people value that it came from a human perspective i mean yeah, and then we could talk about whether AIs are going to be conscious at some point, but I think that'll still be different than, oh God. than human consciousness. So. Oh, God. Who knows? But. Already sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Already sweating. By the way, the other day, I, you, you, you know Siri on the, on, on, on the laptop will like kick on sometimes. You, it'll, think it's, it'll think you said, hey, Siri, when you didn't. And that was really annoying me. So I was like, Hey Siri, turn yourself off. And Siri said, "I'm sorry. I'm afraid I can't do that." It's because the people at Apple are all nerds who have seen 2001: Space. <laughs> Did she call you, Dave? <laughs> afraid not. That would have been too much. Good. Oh my god, that's oh, that's kind of I got chills. <laughs> Would you have believed it when when you were ten, eight, nine? If someone said, "Hey, one day you're gonna have a phone in your pocket, and not only are you gonna have a phone in your pocket," well, you two are younger than me, so I'll only speak for myself. <laughs> not only Sam are you gonna have a phone in your pocket. But you're going to be able to, like, say, hey, phone, do this for me. <laughs> and it'll just do it. Uh, I mean, it's I, a computer. I, phone phone is, is kind of a misleading word, I think, because it's, it's a computer. Like, for it's, sure. It's, that's what it is. <laughs> for sure. I, when I was eight or nine, we didn't even have computers. So I wouldn't have known what a computer was <laughs> if I had told that to myself. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I I do remember my math teacher in elementary school saying, "Well, look, you you need to learn how to do long division because it's not like you're going to be carrying a calculator around with you everywhere you go." You should call them. <laughs> <laughs> call them and say, "Hey, uh, ask me what's seventeen times forty three. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, ask me. <laughs> I want that week of my life back." <laughs> although i will say that learning long division and learning multiplication is actually learning algorithms we just don't tell students that uh i fucking hated long division i never <laughs> i never understood it you know all the other kids could do it because they were they were okay with you know just do this and then do this and do this and then do this mm -hmm. and i could never do it because i why Mm -hmm. bring what down why are we doing that that doesn't make any sense <laughs> you know yeah 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 i hear you yeah it's i mean to your point trevor i yeah it, it is algorithmic i guess in in practice but it would have been cool if i had known what base 10 was before <laughs> before now <laughs> I, feel mm. like I feel like i, I feel like I learned that pretty. I mean, did you all have the the base ten blocks when you were in like second and third grade or whatever? I did go to school in Florida, so I may have been at a, <laughs> been at an extreme disadvantage to everyone else here on the call. But no, I didn't. Yeah. No, we we only we never learned about that. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't learn about oh, what is binary? What are other bases? But you know, just like little little yellow blocks that came in like single ones, groups of ten, and then like the the cubes that are a hundred. So kind of try mm. to teach it that way but mm. i remember seeing those but um i remember the abacus like that's that's the closest thing that i think i ever held in my hand to explain what was happening during long division kind of wow we never use those <laughs> yeah i'm from way back trevor yeah <laughs> I, I actually i do remember the abacuses those are pretty fun to dick around with oh my god i wish i had one I can't I can't, can't buy an abacus when you're my age. I almost said it. <laughs> you can't buy an abacus. Like, isn't that? Uh, do you think that's frowned upon? Like, it's eh. probably a hipster thing. I would yeah. imagine yeah. somewhere. It's like having a globe in your house. <laughs> like you're not ever gonna use it. <laughs> oh my god, that is so true. Oh man. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I grew I I grew up going to my grandmother's house, and my grandmother, when she was younger, traveled the country by car. So she had this huge map in her garage, and I'm like, mm. oh my god, wait, I would never. Why would I buy a map? Yeah. Why would I ever buy a map? Well, you can go on Google Maps. <laughs> I could, I could tell you like traffic out. times and yeah. like which route to take depending on what time of day it is. I don't even have to go on Google Maps. I can just say, hey, Google, go to Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do it for me. Yeah. It's pretty oh. ridiculous. It's terrifying. Mm. It's terrifying. If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. guys think about how this relates to perceptions of class roles in society you know going back like however arbitrarily long when when there were pretty explicit class boundaries and you're, you're working class people and you're you know the, the people landowners and then the people who would like be so privileged to be their butler and like serve mm -hmm. them for the entirety of their life until they get sick and die mm -hmm. and you know, nowadays it's definitely not so, not so cut and dry, not so explicit, but I think that we still have a lot of implicit boundaries that are very real and can be very prohibitive. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we can talk about that, but uh, the, the segue here is that, you know, traditionally the act of being served of having like an assistant who you can say hey find me the quickest route to go there that was e explicitly for the uh, very well off and now it's becoming progressive progressively more accessible to uh to people of different economic backgrounds yeah i think it's overwhelming right anyone mm. can look up anything mm -hmm. and someone who's too young to have that knowledge, too old to have that knowledge, not ready to have that knowledge, not really interested in that knowledge, but it gets shown to them anyway. It's, I don't know, it's like, I, I feel like class biases definitely still exist. They still exist. They Definitely. They permute everything. Mm -hmm. But to this specific point of this specific relationship, you're right, there was always an assumption that an assistant came with a certain level of societal achievement or mm. a certain role in in the professional world but it's things like that it's thing it's it's technology does things to our society like dismantling that perception that i think are really great but mm. it brings with it a whole host of new questions and mm. you know uh, go, uh, uh, github copilot that 13 year old kid in math class now doesn't have to learn math mm. like doesn't have to learn math and of course if they want to go into a certain field or a certain profession and they need to understand conceptually what trigonometry is or calculus is and what actually the relationships to numbers and, and how they interact with each other and how they interact with the universe. They want to go into quantum physics. Like, yes, of course there's going to need, there's going to need to be an understanding, but to the kid that wants to, I don't know, go into, I'm not slicing anybody or, or trying to Josh anybody, but like the kid that wants to be an actor or the kid that wants to go into marketing or the kid that wants to go into owning a business 
like how much of that stuff do you really need now? Mm -hmm. Then what do we teach? Like Mm -hmm. what, what do we, what, what happens to education? What happens to what we learn? What happens to what we want to learn? This is getting weirdly philosophical and very, and I'm, hey, and that's, I'm, and that's I'm going exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what we do here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needlessly. Okay. Needlessly. Okay. Yeah. Good, 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 good. <laughs> then I'm going to stop talking for a little bit while I try to put back together my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I well, think, I, I mean, obviously there are a lot of things wrong with the American, uh, public educational system, Yeah, but I think, I think we do want to be teaching people math at least and science at least to a certain point, just because no one's sure what they want to do. For I mean, sure. even, you know, even going through college, like, you know, you're, there's no guarantee that you're going to want to do the same thing for your entire life. So at a certain point you might wish you took that, that, you know, calculus class in, in high school and, and, you know, but I, but I think the point you raise is an important one, Trevor. I think with this idea of readdressing the educational system. I think one of the first things we need to do is destigmatize needing to learn something that you should have already learned, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I just did finger quotes on a podcast. I shouldn't have had. But <laughs> <laughs> like if if I I am not I did I went to acting school. Like I enjoy math. I excelled in math when I was in high school. But I went I went to a high school magnet program where I got college credit before I went to college. So mm-hmm. I haven't taken a math class since high school. Mm-hmm. Like I took calculus in high school and I loved it. And now I'm coding and I'm using a lot of that math or at least mathematical thinking. And I'm exercising that part of my brain and I love it. But I am scared. I am scared mm-hmm. to say, I need to learn calculus again. Like mm-hmm. I need to... I need to look at <laughs> relational geometry again because yeah. I want to design interesting and stimulating UIs. Like that is, that is something that comes with, I think how we think of education in this country, in this world, in this life, whatever it is, there's, there's, there's a stigma about learning something that again, air quotes, you should already know. Totally. And that, that's part of what goes into imposter syndrome, right? Because oh, you have yeah. the idea like, oh, why, why didn't I know this? I must be, I, not have, I must not have enough initiative or I must be misguided or stupid or, or whatever. And it's just like, oh, you've, there's a time to learn something and your time is right now. So yeah. learn it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, cool. what, what you said about uh, not having taken a math class since high school, that was, that was me jumping into the first year of this degree last August. Yeah. And I had to take discrete math for, for two semesters. And yeah, I had not taken a math class in <laughs> seven years and it kicked my ass yes. so bad, mm-hmm. especially the, the, well, both semesters, but especially the first one. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I miss it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know that sounds nerdy, but I always loved math, mm-hmm. always loved it. And then life took me in a different direction and I got mm-hmm. to dress up and sing songs and dance around for a few years. And now I'm coming back to it. And it's like, I want, I want to go back to that. I want, you know, and I think people should, and I think to your point too, everyone should learn a bit of everything, but there should also be a time where you're encouraged. And I think most people do a good job of this, but there are definitely people that don't, but everyone should be encouraged. Hey, if that's what you want to do, go do it and know that if you fail, when you fail or when you get sick of it or whatever that is the system should it doesn't but the system should support those people and encourage Mm. them to take those leaps knowing that if you fail there's always room to readjust there's always new avenues to take there's always new growth that can be made there should be Mm, sometimes most of the time that doesn't happen and people aren't Mm. told that Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) but yeah man yeah i i so like I guess this was about two years ago at this point where I decided to kind of shift gears and it was right before COVID, which was kind of miraculous. But, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, I, I put myself through hell for, you know, pursuing a music degree and changing paths. And, and cause you know, when I, honestly, when I started it, I, I wasn't sure that it was one that I wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went to a university, uh, university of Colorado at Boulder specifically, you know, I didn't want to go to a conservatory where I would just be locked in to just music mm-hmm. and, and, but then I went to four years of music school. I was like, no, I love this. This is great. You know, br- bring it on. And and then it just took, you know, some time out in the real world where I just got super burnt out. So yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think that's an important message to not get down on yourself when 
you hit a dead end and have to change paths or whatever. And I would even say like, this is my, <laughs> this is my actor self talking. So forgive me while I stand up on my soapbox, but people should be encouraged to do it because ultimately you making this shift, Trevor, being a musician like you were and studying what you have studied and now making this change is going to make you better at what you're pursuing now. It's going to. You have a degree of empathy that most people entering this field don't have. Mm. You have abilities mm. and skills that people in this field right now excelling don't have and need and are actively seeking. And there's an information exchange that could happen if we destigmatized it. But but it's uh, I, I'm embarrassed every time I say, and I apologize a lot, I probably already have on this damn podcast 10 times probably. But every time I say I'm, a, I'm an actor, it's never, oh, I'm an actor. It's, I'm an actor, and I'm sorry, and I apologize that you have to <laughs> sit here oh, and talk no. to me right now. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I get that kind of same, same not not from you right now, but like when I'm talking to people, <laughs> you know, I feel like, you know, I feel like when I tell people that I went to school for composition and I'm going to coding, they're like, oh, so you weren't able to like make it, right? Like, and and I, I feel like, I don't want to like go out of my way to explain that like, no, I, I was doing this for like two years or three years full time and it was, you know, I, it was fine. But, uh, I, I do feel like kind of, kind of stigma of, of, you know, oh, you, you, I don't know about the word failed, but you, you, uh, you went down what might've been a the wrong path. But I think, I think it's good to, to normalize doing a bunch of different things and not necessarily just getting to 10,000 hours in one thing as fast as you can. Yeah. Because what, what's the point of that? Then you feel like you know everything and then you stop learning. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some people who would say if you really want to change the world and innovate and and that kind of thing that you kind of do need to just buckle down and do do one thing. But I, I, I don't even, I don't, I mean, I don't think that's true in every case either. And also like devil's advocate, how, how am I going to change the world? Yeah. Like what, what, honestly, what form would that take? If, if well, I, knows? if I, yeah, if I make $250 billion a year and then fly myself up into space, did I, did I make the world a better place? <laughs> no, but, but you know, you could be working on the, you know, you find a company like all, all the example I've been thinking about a lot recently is this company Cardano that does, mm-hmm. uh, have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. They do, they do. It's it's cryptocurrency, but it's based on proof of stake, which is you know better for the environment and proof of work. And they're trying to give financial access to people in developing countries who don't have it. Mm. And so like projects like that that are that are obviously trying to do very good things for the world, or at least you know from from what it seems like, if you get into a project like that and have even you know one idea or suggestion that takes things and break makes a breakthrough or. Like, there you go. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I would make a distinction between what you say, what you're saying now about this company Cardano, I think you said they were Mm -hmm. called and, and like changing the world. Mm -hmm. I want to change someone's world. If that means doing a play and having a little kid come in and watch me do that play and that kid going, I want to be an actor. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or coding an amazing application that makes someone's life a whole hell of a lot easier. Or makes them smile on a day when they're having a really hot... Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think the idea of changing the whole world or it's so... What do they say about setting goals? Set achievable goals? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an aspirational goal and it's an amazing goal. Mm -hmm. I don't even think people who change the world set that goal for themselves. Totally. I think this is this is in line with what we have talked about in the past about, yeah. you know, when we did our episode on motivation and addiction, mm. where we were talking about, you know, like, how do you how do you stop a bad habit? How do you start a good habit? And it's, you know, how do you improve your life right now? And it's not that you improve your life for the next year or for the next five years. No, it's never like that. It's moment to moment it's right now deciding not to give into that vice it's right now deciding to yes face this challenge even though it makes you want to bash your brains in you know it's 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 facing the challenges right now Mm. and it's it's incremental change and Mm. no incremental change is going to change the world but eventually 
they add up and and you know i think in that way everyone has their own sway on the world we all have impact it's yeah. all we're, we're different forces pulling and pushing against each other and that's you know that, that's just the way it has to be yeah and i agree with everything that you both are saying and i feel like if we had more generalists if we had more people that were excited to learn different things and encouraged to learn different things more ideas exist if if eric and i are talking about something and you know what we're talking about trevor you're going to be more inclined to chime in and give your input Mm. i had a teacher once say the best idea in the room should win not Mm. the person with the biggest salary or the person with the biggest ego or the person with the most knowledge but the best idea and if if we empower each other or as many people as we can to educate themselves to learn as much as they can then they're going to be a lot more ideas flowing around the room i feel like Mm -hmm. yeah i do want to push back a little bit on on changing the world being an unrealistic thing yeah because I mean, aren't, I mean, you know, Steve Jobs has his problems, but aren't you glad we have smartphones, right? I mean, someone someone had to say this is crazy, but I think I know how to make this work, and I'm gonna go for it. And obviously, you know, very few people are cut out for that. My, I think myself included. Like, I could not be the CEO of a tech company. I'm I'm 99% sure, but I think, yeah, no, no, the, those things aren't gonna happen unless someone says I can do it or I'm going to fail, but I'm going to try at least, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. And I'm going to push back a little bit too (laughs) and just say like, I'm, I'm absolutely super grateful that I have a smartphone in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody in the world is, Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody in the world has one. I don't know if, you know, so yes, a hundred percent. Um, it lends a whole bunch of superpowers like we were talking about earlier to people who don't usually get those superpowers or mm-hmm. would think that they're cut off from those abilities. But it's, it, I, I feel like there's so many more nuances to all these things. And, and we're living in a world, or at least right now, and my world is all I can speak for. I'm living in a world that seems to put this idea forward that nuance is weakness. Mm. That you're either an actor and you've made it, or you're a coder and you work at Google, or you're nothing. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, there's there's more to that. There's I can be an actor and a coder and I can do this and that and I can and I can I can be unemployed for six months or not unemployed and I can be working in a completely different space and get stimulated by work and then go do this other thing. Uh, nuance is where it's at for me. And I think, uh, I wish I lived in a world, maybe this is how we can change it. I wish we lived in a world that embraced the nuance a little more. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that actually really inspires me about Codesmith. Again, not not sponsored. This is just uh, from my own experience. <laughs> and I think I think broadly, uh, probably all boot camps, but one thing, one thing that the one that Sam and I, we are in right now is that it really, uh, I know it is kind of a cliche within the community, but it really puts the community forward. And it's something that's actually legitimately inspiring for me as dorky as I feel saying it out loud, that there are so many people from different, uh, different backgrounds, artists, creators, different ec- economic backgrounds, different yeah. races, different uh, cultural identities, and all of them together are learning this new thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know a lot of, a lot of uh, groups of people who have historically, especially within our society, been told, no, you can't be a creator, you can't think critically. And to see these people doing it and excelling and you know, learning from these people is just, it's legitimately ex- inspiring. But I agree. I think, I don't know why I'm always channeling my acting teachers, but they're the only people that I ever really listen to, I guess. But the, the community where we're at, Eric, is, I think, so embracive 
and inclusive and rich. And the reason that it is, is because we are encouraged to be ourselves, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And also we're encouraged to pick each other up when we fall mm. and when we're struggling. And uh, it's hard for me because I am who I am, but they encourage us to not have any ego. And I'm a very <laughs> <laughs> psychologically complex and, <laughs> and I'm an actor and that brings with a whole kind of like self-preservation aspect. But I think everyone in the community does a really, really great job of being welcoming and Mm. I've never felt judged. Um, I've always felt supported. I've always felt encouraged to ask. And I think it goes back, yeah, to what we were talking about earlier about education, just this idea that there should be no stigma against not knowing. Mm. There should be celebrating in the sharing of knowledge. And that's what Absolutely. it feels like the community is about. Yeah. Celebrating in the sharing of knowledge, like different knowledge. Like you're yeah. saying, like there, there's things as an actor you're bringing that people in the field who are succeeding are trying to achieve and could hugely benefit from. And obviously there are things that I can learn from those people or from anyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, I feel like we're all echoing each other's points, but they're so great. <laughs> the, the, you two have experiences that I will never have never had can't even fathom having so to think that the two of you couldn't teach me something aren't already teaching me things mm. is absurd mm. but again I don't know how you all felt in the 8th grade but I was like oh that's the teacher and they're teaching me everything <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a one-way relationship. And it may have been for those people that I came across, but I'm sure there are others. I know there are others because I remember them as amazing teachers that are learning while they're teaching. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure like vice versa because, I mean, acting is something that is possibly like the furthest from my personality as it could possibly be. Like what? that is something I, I would, you know, I'm reciting poetry would maybe be like the closest, but I'm sure, I'm sure your interview skills are just, would just be, you know, miles above any most, the vast majority of programmers. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I'm a rambler. I'm sure yeah. you both have noticed and your listeners probably by now. Are oh, it's great. Voice, it's but, great. Uh, That's what podcasts are for. <laughs> I have, I've always been told I have a face for radio. Um, it's, <laughs> but it's like it's yes and i want to i will i enjoy sorry to bring up codesmith again but working on a project with some amazing programmers that i've gotten to know and i've seen grow in the program and they're nervous to present Mm. they're nervous to get up in front of their friends and show what they've built over two weeks and that hurts me like I, mm. these people are amazing. Everyone is amazing in this place. And to think that they feel like they're not entitled to celebrate their achievements and share them with other people, that hurts. So yeah, mm. let's do it. And also Trevor, I bet you, you, don't tell anybody this and everybody listening can keep this to yourself, but acting is a joke. <laughs> like, it is a joke. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult to do, but once you do it, it's a like it's a joke. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've I've a pretty I've a pretty deep appreciation for it, but I guess that's good to hear. <laughs> like, uh, let me let me let me <laughs> before I burn all my bridges in the professional world. Let me uh, let me uh, 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 add an addendum to my to my previous statement. <laughs> Acting in the way that a lot of people do it is relatively simple. It especially film actors, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I go on set to shoot for a couple of days and I get there at 8:30. I'm supposed to be on set at 9. I'm not on set till 1. I film a third of a page, which is like two lines. And then I get to go home and it's like mm. the staying power takes a lot. And the actors that are really amazing and that are craftspeople, like 
actual skilled emotional life raw talent like those actors are working their butts off but i'd say like 98% of the workforce is, is you could you could easily step in i mean i definitely i definitely know the drill with you know waiting around for hours i've done i've done some some like opera opera stuff oh, like i've yeah. written a couple opera pieces and i had done some kind of like tech assistance stuff and yeah just waiting around for a long time and 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 then you know you, you do your thing have you yeah. ever been have you ever been a supernumerary no I, I don't even remember what my exact title was when i did like the <laughs> i think i was literally like did, doing the subtitles or, or super titles or something <laughs> incredible oh my god the, the most <laughs> i remember like it was my job to like pull up the curtain at the right time and i couldn't even do that right like <laughs> the singers got like mad at me i had i had a buddy who i had a buddy who was hired by the met the metropolitan mm-hmm. opera house in new york and he was hired as what's called a super or a supernumerary, I think. I don't know. But it's basically like just a body, like an actor that walks around and is part of the mob when the soprano is singing the, the aria and the Pete, whatever. And he was it was this big deal for him because in her song, the soprano touched him. And it's like that was that was this huge thing. And because of that, he got bumped up to like a featured instead of just a mob. Like, it's insane. The kind mm. of hierarchical bullshit that happens in the acting world i'm sure it is amazing oh so since we've been going for about an hour we're thinking about uh saying some uh closing remarks or if there's any other themes you want to touch on before we do so and do that as well sure ask me ask me a question you've always wanted to ask an actor (laughs) (laughs) i'm an open book Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All my all my all my prepared questions are really uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, okay. Well. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, Two part question. Who's who's your favorite actor or like acting hero? You can pick pick more than one if you have to. You know, uh, do that. No, I have one, but it's he's he was relatively obscure, but he's starting to become a little more popular. So you may know his name. But I'm going to sound like an asshole regardless <laughs> because I have to preface it this way. But my favorite actor, his name is Mark Rylance. I that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, I don't. He was he's a British born trained actor, done a ton of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. um, huge, huge, huge stage giant. Absolutely brilliant. And in the last f- six years, I think he kind of got. A supporting role in a Spielberg movie and mm-hmm. won the Oscar and then since then is just in a ton of stuff and rightly so he's brilliant wow and I encourage both of you and anyone listening to this to just YouTube Rylance Shakespeare or Rylance Globe or just his name there's some incredible clips from plays that he's in and he is okay Tangent before we close. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's we love. What's what we love about podcasts? We're t- <laughs> we were talking earlier about artistic expression and where AI's place is in it, and how that's going to change and what's going to develop. The reason that I'm so drawn to this this actor, Mark Rylance, is because he does something that I've never I see very few actors do, which is acknowledge that there are other there's an audience like in his craft maybe not while he's in the play like he's not like hey like looking to the stage and you know uh looking off stage and and copping looks but he he consciously goes into rehearsing and preparing a play knowing that it's not finished until people are in the room watching it mm-hmm. and he lets the audience's reaction feed into what he's exploring, what he's doing. He acknowledges that there's a collective unconscious in the room that includes the people on stage and those off spectating. Mm. And very few actors have I ever heard actually like talk about that the way that he does. That's really cool. I I relate to that as a musician. Definitely. I, you know, a lot of the time I, I like I'll be playing on my own at home and I just, 
I don't have the spirit for it. I'll yeah. pick a, I'll play the songs that I've played before and you know, I'll I'll get bored and it it isn't until I'm playing for other people or with other people that mm-hmm. I really feel the music. I feel it come to life and like ah that this is what it's for, you know. And he equates it to music. He equates mm-hmm. it to he talks a lot about he saw Miles Davis in concert one of the last times that Miles Davis played live. And he talks about that experience being cathartic because Miles Davis was walking the line between I'm here playing with my band and creating something, but I also know you're here to share in this experience. And it it's fascinating listening to him talk about it. I highly encourage anyone, even if you're not interested in acting or anything, just go listen to Mark Rylance talk about it because it is amazing. It is really cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check them out. Yeah, oh, yeah, do. And let me know what you think, because I love talking about it. Mm. What was the other question? You had another one. Oh, so follow up. Do, do you have like a favorite, <laughs> so, someone doing inspiring things with coding, either that or just like a, a favorite concept in coding that you find really interesting or, or captivating or, or beautiful? Ooh. Yeah. Um. I love that computers are the are the stupidest entities in the world. <laughs> like I, there's, and I don't even know if this is really answering your question, Trevor. But I I think there's something so beautiful about the the naivete, the 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 not knowing anything of a computer, and staring at a blank code editor and just typing in. <laughs> explicit steps to doing something, printing something, building something, and then clicking run and knowing that this very simple computer is comprehending everything you're asking it to do or not. And you're breaking everything, which is usually what happens with me. Yeah. But <laughs> well, it's doing, it's, it's always doing exactly what you tell it to right? for, for the most part. <laughs> That's usually the problem is it, it is doing exactly what you tell it to do. And you're just, you know, you're messing it up. Somewhere. Which I guess, you know what, maybe that's my answer is like the, the, uh, the, the, unapologetic trusting that a computer has in the person coding <laughs> just like okay you want you want console dog instead of console log you got it <laughs> like, here yeah, it is. That, that is that is what we need to fix to get to artificial general intelligence. you it. gotta fix the computer trusting the well that's i don't know I, I don't know about that we've there's there's a problem there to think about <laughs> Now, I know you said you want me to make as many paper clips as I can, but I don't think that's actually what you want. <laughs> An implicit suspicion, like a, like, a, like a mutual suspicion between the two yeah. entities. Yeah. That's <laughs> what uh, true relationships are built upon. Oh, God. We, or, we're going to end on that note? <laughs> no. Or you can just get them to like half-ass everything instead of optimizing and <laughs> anything to worry about. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So make all computers actors is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all have something to learn from each other. <laughs> I'm actually curious, Trevor, what is, uh, what is something that you find especially interesting in computer science? Yeah. So there were, there were a couple things that, that kind of got me wanting to pursue computer science. One of them was the whole artificial general intelligence control problem alignment problem, all the stuff around that. I think that was the first thing. But the second thing was was learning a little bit more about how computers actually work and that it's mm-hmm. this nested hierarchy of abstraction where you have a language like Python that's pretty high level and abstract and that's written in C, which is more low level. And then the C is, you know, uh, built on assembly, which is the lowest level before you get to zeros and ones, right? And that that the way that that allows us to do things that we're kind of like you were saying, without knowing exactly what's going on at the lowest level, it's it's just converting things to more and more exactly what's going on in the hardware and i just i just find that idea really beautiful and and mysterious too and and, mm. and so th- yeah mm. that, that's my answer and i'm taking i'm taking assembly language in about a month so i'm excited for that mm. hopefully not uh <laughs> <laughs> might be a little na- naive to be excited for it but <laughs> If any, if anyone could be excited for assembly language, it'd be you, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, I mean, talking about cross pollinization of ideas and sharing, you know, we're, Sam and I were in the the uh, in the boot camp, you know, which which 
focuses on a particular subset of skills and Trevor, you're doing the computer science degree, which while there's a lot of crossover, you know, it's maybe more towards the abstract theoretical side of things. There's more of a focus on that. And, you know, I'm just really looking forward to in the months following today, you know, talking with you and and learning from you and, and, you know, just sharing, sharing ideas from these different, different, uh, backgrounds yeah likewise i think that's super important cool on that note um sam real quick would you like to make a plug for your podcast oh java unscripted oh yeah for sure um in case you didn't get enough uh you weren't satisfied by how much i and eric were talking about our experience at codesmith um a couple of buddies in my cohort, uh, my class in Codesmith, and I have started a podcast called Java Unscripted. Uh, check it out on Spotify. Follow us. It's it's a tech podcast, but kind of around tech and not explicitly about tech. We kind of interview people in the space and and talk about you know difficulties that we come up against and things that uh fulfill us and our relationship to the world around us as techies so check it out java unscripted on spotify awesome well sam it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on it's really really great to talk with you and looking forward to uh continue to interact as we uh go forward in this community together Absolutely. I appreciate it, Eric, Trevor. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much.